0: Hi, I'm Patrick Gauthier, here for the National Association of Home Builders Making It Your Business project, where we provide education and resources about opioid addiction to home builders, owners, supervisors, and managers. People who work in construction are significantly more likely to become addicted to opioids, like prescription painkillers, than our workers and the general population and they're six times more likely to die as a result of overdose. The impact on a business can be significant and includes loss of productivity, healthcare expenses, absenteeism, turnover, and much more. That's why NAHB and its partners, Job Site Safety Institute, and Advocates for Human Potential, are taking an innovative and holistic approach to addressing opioid use and misuse creating solutions and educational resources that address intervention points across the spectrum of prevention, treatment, recovery, and return to work. In this podcast, we'll be talking about what supervisors can do to help prevent opioid addiction among their workers and subcontractors, along with some signs you can watch for that someone may be struggling. Today I'm joined by Jim Johnson, the President and CEO of G.E. Johnson Construction Company in Colorado and a member of NAHB, and Mickey Kramer, the Director of Operations at Opportunity Ministries, where she runs a number of sober houses in Maryland for people in recovery from addiction. And Mickey is joined today by Chris, who has generously agreed to share his story about recovery from addiction with us. Thank you for joining us uh, remotely. Uh, Jim, Mickey, and Chris, please say hello.
1: Thank you for the opportunity, Patrick. This is Jim
2: Johnson.
3: Well, hello there, Patrick. This is Mickey Kramer. Thank you so much for having me today.
2: Hi, Patrick. This is Chris. I appreciate you uh, letting me come in and speak with you guys.
0: All right. Terrific, you guys. I'm real grateful that you had time for us. I want to talk a little bit about the causes of uh, opioid addiction. You know, an opioid addiction can come about a lot of different ways, but often for workers in the home building industry, it usually starts with an injury, and as a result, this person might go to the doctor in pain, and the doctor prescribes an opioid painkiller like oxycodone or hydrocodone which you may know is OxyContin, or Vicodin. Now, because of how quickly and dramatically opioids can affect a person's brain, function, and response, that's really all it takes for a person to be on a path toward becoming dependent and possibly becoming addicted. Uh, Mickey, is this something that you've seen with the men and women who live in your sober homes, that someone gets hurt at work? Uh, that maybe is taking a medication, um, maybe taking more of it than prescribed in order to get back to work as quickly as they can and, and that you know, ultimately they're developing an addiction in the process?
3: Yes, Patrick. Uh, quite a few of our participants throughout the years have suffered a work-related injury and found themselves misusing opioids. Turning to opioids to ease the aches and pains of years of working in the labor force have also caused some of our participants to become dependent. Work-related injuries are all too common, and many of our participants have legitimate pain that they struggle with on a daily basis. One participant in particular fell off a roof while working and was unable to work for some time. Part of the dilemma workers face is that when they don't work, they don't get paid. There is a race to get well so that they can get back to work. Many of our participants who work in the labor force work paycheck to paycheck. If they miss a week of pay or longer, it can have devastating effects. That is a lot of pressure to get back to work as quickly as possible. When people are overcoming substance use disorder, they look for alternative methods to treat the real pain they deal with without using illicit drugs. This can take time to find a good alternative and perseverance to find a physician that will assist in the alternative healing process. It is of the utmost importance that anyone overcoming substance use disorder notify their doctors of their condition so that they are not prescribed opioids and to ensure their medical chart is identified as such. With the right tools in place, we have witnessed many individuals return to the labor workforce successfully.
0: Wow, thank you so much. What a wonderful explanation. Mickey, can you help us here with this? Do do you think there are some clear signs that a supervisor ought to be looking for that someone may in fact be struggling with opioids but coming to work?
3: Mm. Yes, certainly there are, absolutely. Some of the things to um, keep an eye out for um, are First and foremost, a lack of money, even when someone is being paid a good wage. Also, the person may be asking for an advance or a loan. Uh, Something else to keep an eye out for would be a person who is selling their belongings. All of these are signs to be aware of when you are talking about opioid misuse. Physical symptoms are also very critical. We all have an off day or stay up too late once in a while, but take note if an individual appears tired and nods off. Uh, You'll notice that by a head um, going down with eyes closed. Also, slurred speech or off balance are also physical traits to watch for. You also may notice uh, a person's eyes rolling in the back of their head or pinned eyes, and that means their pupil is very small. Also, if an individual is extra excited, can't sit still, or talking very quickly, and this is not their normal behavior, take note. Another thing to be aware of is prolonged trips to the bathroom or car. Finding spoons or spoons going missing is something else to take note of. Finding cigarette filters may be a sign someone is using illicit drugs. Most importantly, trust your gut and don't be afraid to ask the difficult questions that sound something like this. Is there something going on with you? Because I'm noticing something such as dot, dot, dot could also sound like this. I care about you. You, I care about you. Are you misusing opioids? You'll never know if you don't ask. Sometimes people want help. You just need to ask. And let's not forget that this is a life and death matter, so we must take it seriously.
0: Wow. Mickey, again, thank you. You know, when a, a worker gets hurt on the job, uh, it is, and you're right, you mentioned it, it is perfectly okay for you to talk to them about the risks of opioids, pain management, and, and what you or your organization can do to help. Of course, you shouldn't get in the way of their medical treatment. But letting a worker know that you have a culture of open communication around tough topics like drugs can uh, be a way of letting them know that they're supported. And and Mickey, that's what you were just describing for us. Education is just an important tool in helping to prevent opioid addiction. Uh, It's advisable that whatever you do for one person, you do for everybody. This is not the time to be judging people who you believe might be more at risk uh, than others. NAHB has uh, a lot of online tools designed for workers to understand the risks and alternatives to opioids. Uh, And all of these are on the website. Jim, I wonder if I can ask you a few questions about this. Uh, You know, for starters, your company's taken a very proactive approach to dealing with opioid addiction among your workers. Uh, While it's not limited to opioid addiction, Uh, Have you had some success in providing employees and family members with access to to services? I wonder if you can talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Um, And, yes, you're correct. It's not um, just limited to opioid addiction. Our company elected to just acknowledge that the construction industry is not – Um, such that it's going to be removed from what is really a national crisis around opioids and other addiction processes. Um, We uh, elected to go with a organization called Face It Together, which is an addiction counseling service with peer coaches. Um, While these are not actual treatment providers, um, they help um, the employee, and we also extended this to all of our families, um, because sometimes the family members will step up first, but it helps them to navigate the various services that people affi- affected by addiction um, will, will need. And we've had success in just um, changing our culture to it's okay to ask for help.
0: And are your supervisors then having these conversations with your, your workforce?
1: Yes, and uh, one of the first things we did, as Mickey very well articulated up above, was really educate them some of the signs to look for. Um, all of our material is co-branded with Face It Together and is constantly being promoted in our job site trailers as well as our offices.
0: And how's all of that going? Is it producing some, some good results that you as the, the boss are happy with?
1: Yeah. uh, You know, we're six, um, just a little over six months in. Um, For us, Faces Together is providing that family-focused benefit um, that we all want. We care a lot about our employees and want to keep that family environment. But it's also extremely confidential uh, who actually engages these benefits. We get back a report that um, is HIPAA compliant as well as remains their confidentiality. I can tell you uh, we have about two dozen uh, of our employees or their families currently engaged uh, in utilizing their services and the feedback that we're able to get from them is they absolutely see it as a benefit. It's helping them um, stay connected um, which I believe is one of the keys to overcoming an addiction but and prevents them from really going into isolation because they do have that person they can call.
0: Excellent. All right. So look we've talked about how someone might become addicted to opioids and how a supervisor might uh, keep communication open with an injured worker. Now I'd like to talk to you, Chris, about your personal experience uh with opioids and, and recovery. Um, how uh for starters did your your opioid addiction come about
2: uh for me it's i didn't get a workplace injury i wasn't introduced to it that way but um like a lot of other people it started out as simple fun you know drinking smoking pot here and there and then uh as time went on it just progressed more and more until it wasn't fun anymore you know i was uh I needed it to get by and at some point it was just, it, it ruled me, you know. I had no no power and uh, I needed it just to function, so, you know, it well, took a few years but I ended up fully dependent.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us, Chris. I, I really appreciate your honesty and your willingness to share. Um, and. Mm-hmm. So you're you're a working fellow. How did you deal with this while you were trying to work?
2: Um, Mickey hit it right on the head. You know, you you try to get advances. Um, you try to hide it, blame other people. You know, make excuses, lack of sleep, all that. But um, in the end, I was always short and always in need. You know, and um, as of today, I'm not I, I'm not like that. You know, I don't need you're more responsible. So,
0: well, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, you know, anytime, uh, we hear a success story like that, uh, it makes all of this worthwhile. And what was it, Chris, if you, if you don't mind sharing with us that happened to get you started on a new path? What, what, what was at the root of your journey and recovery?
2: Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, I kept changing um, jobs and locations, right? I, I tried to think that it was, you know, where I was or the people I was working for. And um, I slowly started to realize that the only similar thing in all these situations was myself. And um, it, it was painful and it was hard, but I had to realize that it was, it was my using that, that made my life unmanageable and, and made me unemployable. So um, that was really the face of, of my, my the beginning of my recovery. I could no longer lie to myself and blame other people. You know, so. Well,
0: that's a that's a terrific insight. And and Mickey, uh, Chris, well, let me direct the question to Mickey. How did you and Chris come to know each other?
3: Well, uh, Patrick. Chris was a participant in our program back in 2013. He came to Opportunity Ministries after he completed inpatient treatment, and he made that tough but very wise decision to go into a recovery house after treatment. So a recovery house, and a lot of people ask, what is a recovery house and what is it about? Well, our program offers a structured environment for the men and women who participate They have restrictions regarding visitation and guests, the amount of recovery meetings they attend, and a set curfew. Our participants also undergo random urinalysis testing that is administered by house leaders. Each person is responsible for a set of chores that is assigned at weekly house meetings. The house meetings are key factors in the men's and ladies' recovery process and are an integral part of the Opportunity Ministries program. Chris showed exemplary leadership qualities, and in June of 2014, he was promoted to the House Leader position. We worked well together, and Chris was, and is, instrumental part of our team. As a House Leader, Chris mentored the men and held them accountable for their actions. And Jim referred to that when he spoke of the peer coaches, uh, what we would refer to as peer-to-peer support. That peer-to-peer support is so helpful. So Chris was firm and fair in his duties, and we are grateful for his time with us, which ended in May of 2016, when he successfully secured housing for himself. Chris has stayed in touch and he still comes to the occasional house meeting to volunteer. We have met many Chris's during our 14 years operating recovery residences. We are so grateful for each and every man, woman, and soon to be child, because we're opening a women with children program shortly, Mm -hmm. that we are able to serve and assist on their journey of recovery, restoration, and redemption.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. What a what a rousing success story, Chris. Congratulations, and Mickey, thank you for doing the work that you do. Listen, we're going to finish up now by talking through the ways that supervisors and home builders can help prevent addiction from ever happening. Uh, earlier, we talked about employee education and open communication, and two other very important factors in prevention are workers' compensation and light-duty work. You know, many workers' comp carriers uh, or insurers are examining their role in overprescribing and misuse of opioids. While at one time they may have encouraged opioid use to get people back to work sooner, uh, they know now that misuse of opioids increases disability and makes people less able to work in the long term. We want to encourage builders to be part of the solution by engaging in direct conversations with your workers' compensation insurance carriers. We have a whole list of questions. You can ask them on the website. Some of the questions are, do you use the CDC's newest version of pain management treatment guidelines? Uh, You can ask them, Do you use improved utilization of statewide databases that track opioid prescriptions? These are more commonly referred to as Prescription Drug Management Programs, or PDMP. That's a real important question to ask your workers' comp carrier. Thirdly, are you identifying doctors that overprescribe opioids? Uh, That's a wonderful question to ask right from the get-go. If you can identify the doctors that overprescribe, you can avoid them. Do you conduct a retrospective drug utilization review? Anything that looks for odd uh, claims, odd prescriptions, and tries to cancel those out. And do you provide injured workers with any narcotics education? You know, that education goes a long way. I think so many people got into trouble because they didn't know. have you reached out to your workers comp provider or other insurance or benefit providers to see how you can work together
1: yes we have Patrick and I think today our program really focuses on getting people better as opposed to we used to just send them home and wish them a happy recovery we sat down with our workman's comp provider and we really try to get them back to the workforce as quickly as we can using a modified duty, uh, ways to stay on site and really stay engaged in work. Hopefully that keeps their mind off the pain and the focus on healing. And also being at work provides them a community and purpose um, for our employees rather than being home alone and continuing to use. We've also, we get engaged in help managing these cases and are pushing more towards physical therapy being prescribed as opposed through uh, painkillers. And we have had success in helping manage that workman's comp uh, claims and process, and we have found the insurers to be very receptive to that. Excellent.
0: Excellent. That's what I like to hear. Well, thank you, Jim. Uh, You know, the final prevention strategy we should talk about is light duty work. One of the main contributors to the increased dependence on opioids in the home building sector is that worker's urgent desire to get back to work as soon as possible. That's what we've been talking about. And of course, people take pride in their work. They're dedicated to the customer, to their teammates, to their employer, Uh, but it can reflect in a financial reality, uh, you know, when they get home and they don't have the, the means to pay their bills if they don't get back to work. So, <clears throat> one strat- strategy for reducing this stress is to provide limited or light duty work as they recover from their injuries. Of course, even light duty has to be cleared with their treating physician. Uh, Traditionally, light duty work is considered a way for companies to save on workers' comp costs. It's also useful in helping workers to maintain their pay and gain the security knowing they still have a job and and an employer who supports them. It also helps address the issue of pride and being a team player. Light duty return to work should be combined with paid or unpaid time off for the immediate recovery period after an, an injury along with uh, the FMLA or Family Medical Leave Act where applicable. Uh, Jim, light-duty work, is this an approach you've taken uh, at your company?
1: Yes, it is, and and that is something that we had to convince the entire um, company of, is that light-duty, because we will not change the injured employee's pay. Um, So you are going to have a highly compensated individual not performing maybe the exact task at which he was hired. However, we were able to convince and have our employees and supervisors see the benefit to the whole company. So we have light duty assignments, um, such as filing, um, traffic control. Um, some of those, it just depends on the in, in injury, whether it's a back or you know knee or shoulder, um, that we're able to place that employee and get them re-engaged into the workforce and to their workforce community. But more importantly, keep the money um, coming because, as I'm sure Chris um, will attest to, too, without the money, um, we're really not helping that employee get better.
0: Couldn't agree more. Thank you, Jim, for... Uh, for sharing what it is you're doing in your company. And uh, there's a whole list of light and moderate duty work ideas on the website. I'll share that uh, that website with you here in a second. And that's all for this podcast. I hope it was useful in helping you understand how addiction happens uh, and what you might be able to do to help prevent it in your workplace, with your workers, with your subcontractors. I want to, again, thank you big time, Jim, Mickey, and Chris, for joining us and for sharing your experience and your expertise. And please, to our listeners, listen to the other podcasts in the Making It Your Business series to learn about intervention, recovery, return to work after addiction for workers in the home building industry. Thank you. This podcast is one of four co-produced by the National Association of Home Builders and Advocates for Human Potential, bringing together conversations and personal testimonies of the opioid epidemic from the perspective of employers, employees, and providers. Don't forget to listen to the other podcasts and the Making It Your Business series to learn about prevention, intervention, recovery, and return to work after opioid addiction for workers in the home building industry. Visit nahb.org forward slash opioids to view our other educational modules, including fact sheets, resource guides, and toolkits all available for public download.